Hello and welcome to The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. I'm your host, Jason, and this is the next episode in our holiday series, Jingle All the Way. Continuing on with this series, we are talking with real heroes about their Christmas shopping. Today, we have Miranda Black, aka the Degrowth Diva. She is from Toronto and works with retailers to become more sustainable. She also hosts a podcast called What's This Place? to talk about sustainability. She is also wearing a Santa Claus hat in this interview, so you know it's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking about shifting towards experiential gifts, zero-waste shopping, which is totally new, and getting a family figurine made instead of a portrait, and much more. So let's just jump right in. Okay, Miranda, welcome to the show. Hi, really nice to meet you. So um, I think you're going to tell us a little bit (laughs) about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, um, my name is Miranda Black, and I am on Instagram. I'm known as the Degrowth Diva. Um, And what that means is that I provide inspiration on how to consume less. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, consume less and use more of the stuff we already have around our house, but still stay cool and stylish and not... um, you know, not just like eating a potato and a burlap sack kind of thing. And, <laughs> and, you know, kind of being fabulous or whatever, um, on your degrowth journey, because it just, you know, it doesn't have to be all doom and, and gloom. I want it to be, f- to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I came to this career, uh, is because, I used to own a bricks and mortar store, a clothing store. I closed in uh, 2019 Mm -hmm. and I love fashion, but because I've been behind the scenes of retail, I really saw firsthand uh, how much that machine, me being the machine, um, Mm -hmm. and how much I was kind of tricking and manipulating people into thinking, into making people think they need more than they really do so now i have a podcast called what's this place and i go behind the scenes of bricks and mortar stores who are doing sustainable businesses more sustainable type businesses to talk about how they're shifting to a more sustainable business practice or i also talk to businesses that you know this kind of business didn't even exist five years ago um like zero waste grocery stores zero waste boutiques zero waste beauty stores and i at first i was like what do you mean how do you how are you zero waste like Mm -hmm. uh what does that even mean so that's how i came to it because i started interviewing people i was like who's doing business in a different way like it's obviously we're at a real um sort of a crossroads or it's a huge confluence of many different things, including, you know, the earth and um, all that, but shipping and yada, yada, yada. So who's doing business differently and who's surviving through the retail apocalypse and why? And I found that it was businesses who are really doing, uh, doing things differently than sort of the dinosaurs of the, of the past. Um, and such as like, what kind of things do they do differently? Uh, I think trying to find sustainable, and I'm going to use quotes, air quotes for sustainable, because that can get misused by bigger corporations. But um, there are lots of businesses who are who 
really put on the table I'm getting stuff now made in Toronto. I'm I'm getting, you know, the beauty products are made here. So that, that cuts down on the shipping. And I think from my, we're all in our own little bubbles of, of influence, but from my little bubble, I notice that shoppers really respond to that because people are like, you know what? Why do I have to have all this packaging? I'm responsible for throwing it out. My garbage is overflowing. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't think there's one person who doesn't get frustrated by the the tons of plastic packaging that comes in a tiny with it and then you get the thing out and you're like okay the thing is smaller than the packaging that I just got through and mm -hmm. so when a store is able to work with their uh with their partners with the products that they and and they say listen customers aren't really liking this what are you doing differently yes let's really lean into that and then customers respond so I was unaware of this kind of business 18 months ago. Um, and now I find that it's like snowballing itself on itself. The more mm -hmm. I know, the more people I follow, the more they open my eyes to, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. There's, uh, and then also um, my other aspect of my business is that um, I'm a sustainable stylist. Um, so I help people transition their wardrobe and um you know to to a sustainable closet and how to purge responsi responsibly as opposed to just throwing all your stuff in the garbage how do you get it out to the people who actually need it you know if we have all this stuff and then we're getting rid of it how do we how do we do that responsibly so that's the two aspects the podcast and sustainable stylist i like how you mentioned um the customers are also holding on to all this garbage at the end of the you know, when yeah. they get the, every, all the packaging out and this is like, it's a problem that we don't really think about as, as the customer because you do throw it away and it kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, where does it go? Yeah. But, but we don't, you... yeah, we don't think about it because it's just a short time. Whereas we'd probably be much happier if all the packaging was just, you know, in half or even less than that. Yeah. You know, I, I interviewed my first zero waste grocery store uh, a little bit over a year ago and I was like what do you mean zero waste groceries like how do I how am I supposed to buy my stuff I hadn't been to the store we were still in lockdown so I hadn't mm -hmm. been physically to the store and it's like it's ingenious because you run out of your soy sauce or you run out of your ketchup and instead of throwing that thing away you just wash it out take it and refill it and she has everything, you know, from maple syrup to, and so our garbage has been cut in half by shifting to this. And I, sometimes I just think that, oh God, if just the huge grocery stores would do that to make it easier to just have your same, I mean, it's really like a, an old world kind of mm -hmm. going back to how people shop at like a mercantile i'm a big retail <laughs> nerd so you know like if they if they went to the mercantile and they're like i need a my fill my cloth sack up with oats and fill mm -hmm. and then there is no packaging and so i was nervous the first time i went to shop zero waste because i was like i'm gonna do this wrong i'm not gonna be able to do it and and then each time I went, I was like, oh, I didn't realize they have Tabasco. Oh, I didn't realize they have this. So gradually, and when I'm finished, I just 
wash the bottle and and put it in my little bag and I and I take it and I, so, I it probably sounds totally granola to you. <laughs> <laughs> so for like those for Tabasco, yeah. are you taking like the actual Tabasco bottle? No, because it has the little tiny. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. I was wrong. I'm not right. It wasn't Tabasco. It was Worcestershire sauce. That's a hard oh, okay. one to say. Yeah, it was Worcestershire <laughs> sauce and. And so then also with Worcestershire sauce, you buy such a huge one and it, it takes us like we have it for, from like the previous century kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then it gets all gooky at the bottom. So I had a tiny little bottle of something. I'm like, you know what? I'd prefer to just use this little bottle of Worcestershire sauce. And it cost me like 50 cents as opposed to buying the big one. You can take any bottle. Yes. As long as it's washed, it just has to be clean. Okay, that's really cool. Right? Yeah. yeah. I shout out, shout out to Unbox Market. Woot woot. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the actual products that go into those bottles or your oats, are they coming from like the name brand manufacturers yes. or is it? So she, when I did the interview with her, I was like, "How do you do this? Like, what do you do?" And she said, "It's a lot of relationship building that she has to go and say." all right i have i i'm doing this thing and are you on board you know and starting and she says that it's sometimes it will take i think she's been in business for three years now it could be she's in her fourth year um but she says she'll have a conversation and they might not come back to her for a while because interestingly when they're designing their packaging, they'll say, well, we don't have that right now because they are still using sort of an old, but when they have an opportunity to change how they distribute their stuff, she says some companies, not all of them, but some companies will come back and say, listen, we're now we're now on board with, with doing this. Let's mm-hmm. get our product into your store. So yeah, all of my shampoos, all my hand soaps, I mean, all those hand soaps with the, uh, I don't know, the pumps. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And you have to throw the pump in the garbage because it's got the metal thing around it and it doesn't go into the recycling bin. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just saved us so much. And her stuff is really high quality as well. That's awesome. I never yeah. really thought of that. I know, right? Zero I, waste grocery shopping. I was at Bob's Red Mill grain store and I was proud of myself because I didn't buy the package. I bought the, the wholesale the bin. One. Yeah. yeah. You have a whole Bob's Red Mill store, like it's a bricks and mortar <clears throat> store for Bob's Red Mill. Now you're it's, blowing it, my mind. It's <laughs> it's from here. So it's from Portland. The, yeah, Milwaukee, Oregon, just right outside oh. of it. Oh, okay. Um, so yes, yeah, they're a little country store. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. I just think of them as like having a factory or something. Yeah, yeah, they they have a little offline shop here. Cool. Okay, so holidays, you are dressed up to the nines for it. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of Christmas, always have been. And we have a young child, so um, uh, we do the whole thing, you know, all out from the decorating in the garden to the tree to the presents. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing that's really shifted since we had a kid is the realization of how much stuff 
that I have to inventory. I think of all my products in my house as inventory because I'm a retailer. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is more inventory. And I don't, you know, where am I going to put it? Um, and so that kind of blew my mind. Even the very first Christmas, he's a Christmas baby. He's born like a few, few days before Christmas. And that Christmas I was suddenly our house was just filled with stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I want a place for everything. How am I going to merchandise all this stuff in my house? <laughs> um, and and it was it's sort of been a never-ending cycle since that time. So when they turn one, they have all that infant stuff is leaving, and now you're getting all the toddler stuff. And so every single birthday and Christmas, which is it's a tsunami of gifts at that time of year. Mm -hmm. Um it's uh yeah i've i try to implement little things with my family like um like you know no pla can we do no plastic this year Be or can we do fewer things but more quality things because mm -hmm. i would rather have less under the tree i know my kid might not but i would have less under <laughs> rather <get> there. <laughs> have less under the tree uh but higher quality because then i can pass it on or I can sell it. And that to me that, you know, being able to sell whatever it is or to pass it on to a donation center, uh, that's more important than many little things that are going to just fall apart or the plastic's gonna snap and then you're just throwing them in the garbage. Um, so, you know, that, that's been a bit of a, I'm like, wow, kids, really do increase your volume volume by a lot <laughs> do you uh, call your garage a warehouse <laughs> oh we're downtown we don't have a garage we, okay <laughs> <laughs> i wish for a garage uh, we don't even have, yeah we park on the street kind of thing it's funny um so yeah this year i'm probably gonna be sort of trying to steer my child into asking for more experiential experience uh type things like mm -hmm. like they're really into coding and minecraft okay. um and so gift certificates to a coding class coding classes are expensive so really? oh um so i would like you know asking for those kinds of things um or a mod from Minecraft. If any, if you don't have a kid under a certain age, you're not going to know what these things are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anybody who has a child probably knows exactly what a mod from Minecraft is. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's an online thing. Um, and then real world experiences would be stuff um, like physical. He loves uh, rock climbing. Mm -hmm. So there's like um, a base camp. Toronto base camp climbing or something like that. Um, and we might put, you know, base camp on, on their, their list. Uh, and then one thing that we did as a family a few years ago, and I did, I don't even know if it exists anymore. A lot of things fell by the wayside during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're coming back. Like it was this thing where you, it's a, it's a real life. Oh, I wish I had a little, I wish I'd got it out, but um, it's a figurine of us holding 
our child as a baby. So you go into this, it was right off Queen Street and you go into like a booth, but it's really big. Mm-hmm. And it's got cameras, 360 cameras all around it. And it takes a 360 degree picture of you. And then they turn it into a figurine. That's awesome. It was, I, if I had it right now, I wish. And so I bought like matching pajamas for all of us. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and um, he was, I, I guess, a baby. Maybe it was his first like um, one year old or maybe two year old um, uh, Christmas. And so we're holding him or I'm holding him. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wanna get this every year. But then the pandemic happened and we couldn't do it and yada, yada, yada. So um, we, I would like to see if they still exist. I would have I'm, to go- Google Yeah, I'm it. gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like 3D figurine christmas mm-hmm. ornaments i don't know you could get it as a christmas ornament but we got it as a little stand stand alone um shelfie a shelfie a is that shelfie. what it, it might be called a shelfie i can't remember uh and yeah we bring it out at christmas it's one of our christmas ornaments so i'm thinking of doing that again this year <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> um okay so you talked about your shopping list for your kid um experiential things yeah what else is on your shopping list this year uh well i i want um oh man gonna sound like a huge nerd there (laughs) is this mending i've seen it on instagram and just before this i was trying to find it to see what the company is and it might be reclaim mending but you get a whole, so I had the most incredible, so I sold the most incredible socks at my store and they ranged from $15 to $125. They were very expensive socks. <laughs> some nice socks. Yeah, they were beautiful. And some of them are like cashmere made in Scotland, you know, very cashmere and silk, very fine, but they're starting to wear away at the heel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah. Oh, I don't want to throw the, I really don't want to just throw these out. And then lo and behold, on my Instagram feed, it came, but you can put your, I don't know how it works. You put your sock into, into it and you, it helps you mend where the heel is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I could do that in the cold winter months. Uh, I, so I would really like that kit. Mm -hmm. Um, there is this independent clothing company in Halliburton, and this is way up north. So we're kind of north. We're probably similar to similar latitude as as you are. We're mm-hmm. kind of the same as, I don't know, maybe a little higher than New York. But um, Halliburton is another three and a half hours from here. So it's a different temperate zone. Like it's going to be 10 degrees cooler there mm-hmm. than it is here and in the middle of nowhere there's a clothing store called the halliburton clothing company and she hand makes underwear and oh. it is the coolest underwear and i i bought one just to see what it was like and i love it it's super comfy and so i probably want more of that um experiential stuff i'm into skincare, so mm-hmm. i would love um like a from a spa 
I would love a gift certificate to a spa. Ah, uh, oh, it's it's like November first. I have not got my Christmas <laughs> list. <laughs> we have Halloween candy all over the place here. Um, what else do I like? Oh, I always love jewelry, and mm -hmm. my partner knows that about me. So um, he tends to go to Made You Look Jewelry here in Toronto, and yeah, they make the jewelry on site and it can range, you know, that one's also can range from, you know, $35 up to $10,000. So I, mm -hmm. I, I certainly probably, I certainly won't be in the upper end of that. So a lot of these handmade stores, I mean, they're very niche, very specialty. Um, yeah. How did you find these places? Well, I think because I'm a retail because I had a store. Mm -hmm. I would often and I had a cool like my store was pretty cool. The clothing was very um it was like a luxury boutique. So people would come in and they're wearing something cool and unique okay. and interesting. So a lot of it would be like, "Oh wow, where did you get that? Find it that way." Um walking around, I live right off Queen West and Queen West is one of our big shopping, um, a big shopping district here in mm -hmm. Toronto. So just walking down the street, I'll, I'll window shop. Um, and then I guess my algorithm kind of knows that I like unique, interesting things. So it'll show me, shows me stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it a, it's a real thing. <laughs> um, and I, I, I just read actually, um, in the paper, it was an American paper, probably the New York Times, and it said that the US since the pandemic has increased their like downtown experience areas. So for a long time, I guess the downtowns were just for businesses and then they would be a, a wasteland at night. And I guess mm -hmm. now there's shops turning up. So I think that, I think this is hopefully something that is turning around that people want to go out and shop and look and feel and and touch because and i've been burned online thinking mm -hmm. oh that looks really great and then you get it and you're like it doesn't feel anything like i thought it was gonna it doesn't look when i wear it it doesn't look like it um and so i think experiences like experiencing the product mm -hmm. people there's something about us I don't know what it, you know, we just like the tactile experience of, of um, checking the things out before we buy them. Uh, so yeah. some of our photography is so good now. Um, it can kind of make things look a lot better than they turn out yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I get, you know, I get inspiration from, from Instagram. I follow a lot of makers. So again, something that I wasn't really aware of before I started the podcast was there is a strong maker community. It's really strong in the US mm -hmm. of people in small towns, a lot of women um, making the most beautiful handcrafted things. And, you know, if you if you start following one, then they can, their posts can lead you to another. And, you know, I would, I'm, I am of the mind, stop following, you know, H&M, 
doesn't need your business. <laughs> H&M, uh, Shane or whatever it's called, Shein doesn't need you to follow them. So take them off your, get them out of your algo and get things that really are being made by people in your, in your area. Portland would be just like this teeming, <laughs> teeming <laughs> with makers, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. They even had a I, this was before the pandemic, but they had a downtown shop that had just local, locally made things. That mm. was pretty interesting to go and, and see what all the people are doing. The shocking thing sometimes is how how much more expensive it is when it's Ooh. made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that gives us a really great idea of how in how deflated the price of stuff made by people overseas being paid pennies, it kind of is a big shot. You're like, oh, wow, that's that's actually how much it costs to, to make something. Mm -hmm. Holy, holy moly. Uh, it's a good reminder, even if you don't buy, it's just sort of a good reminder that it's sort of on the backs of people who might not be making anything mm -hmm. very much. It's very true. A lot of our really cheaper products that we've gotten used to so much over the years um not always the most sustainable in manufacturing yeah for the yeah for the people there's that yeah there's the three components of sustainability it's the environment the humans behind it and then the the materials involved and mm -hmm. those those three things you can't always get those three things but if you try for one out of the three and then maybe a step in the right direction. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Something else I I just remembered that I was gonna get for um that I want to put on my Christmas list is a product that I heard on your show was the it's not available in Canada, but I'm gonna look for uh, an equivalent. It's the um the garden indoor, oh, the indoor lettuce garden. Grow. Yes. That's a cool product. I want one so badly. Yes, Lettuce Grow is the company and Farm Stand is, I think, the name of the product. Yeah, not available here. No, maybe we Become should come available. <laughs> Farm Stand, we need you. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. That was a funny episode. Yeah. With the lady uh, talking about the plant babies. Yeah. I listened to it with my with my kiddo and they were like, I want plant babies. <laughs> I'm like, well, let me go online. Let me find out. And yeah, it wasn't it's not available. And it says, you know, put your name on the list for when it is available. But we'll see. Not going to be this Christmas. There's okay. littler ones. You can get littler mm -hmm. ones from other companies. Um, mm -hmm. But it looks I like to buy sort of like the best of the thing in order for it to last and etc. So yeah, the only thing I was concerned about was whether the pods are plastic. I wasn't sure, but I seem to recall doing a little bit of digging and they're they're moving to a biodegradable pod. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one last question. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to brands as they're, you know, in light of what we talked about for sustainability, moving forward, a lot of the changes, people go into experiential sort of experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to brands who are kind of in that online space or even brick and mortar? And right. What they should think about over the next, you know, year or two. 
like um, people who are sustainability curious kind of thing. There we go. <laughs> um, I would transparency. That's the number, the number one thing that people who are who are serious about uh, sustainability is they want to know they want to, they're really looking for the truth. I think that the truth is a, a, a difficult word um, because, you know, what is the truth, et cetera. But um, they, people want to be as close to the truth of where the product comes from as they possibly can be. So don't greenwash me. Don't tell me this is sustainable. Oh, it's sustainable cotton. And then you find out that it uses more water than, than the, the regular denim that they're using. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that being transparent, it seems to me from my experience and the experience of the businesses that I deal with and the, the customers that I have, my clients, mm -hmm. that being transparent and truthful with your clients is huge currency because they will come back to you. And I used, I did that in my own, my own business when I couldn't get something for somebody or if something came in, um, not as ordered, I went, I bent over backwards to be truthful with my clients because that's really, that becomes like a friend almost. I mean, I had a bricks and mortar business, so it's easily more easy to be a friend with somebody when you're, when you're not a hundred percent online. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, personal notes, it's very, it's a difficult retail landscape. So people are squeezed for time, but mm -hmm. instead of reaching for clients that you don't have, nurture the clients that you do have. So spend, I spent every year, my employees would be like, why do you do this? It is such a huge time commitment. I would write personal Christmas cards to every single person who shopped in my store that year. And they were like, everybody who I had the address and I, I had quite a number of addresses. Um, and my store was different because it was a tailor shop. So they would, you know, they would buy a suit or a shirt and then we would tailor it for them. I would have to get their contact information. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're online or on Instagram, you can personally send a DM to to everyone who purchased or who if you have too many people maybe you send everyone who purchased over five hundred dollars or mm -hmm. you know you set the threshold um for for what is comfortable for you for what you're able to do as opposed to putting out a reel hoping it'll get 20 20 000, you know likes and maybe one percent of that will buy from your store maybe it's like throwing mud at a wall but if you, if people have shopped with you, find out how did they like it? How, what was their experience? Um, not everyone will get back to you, but that's, but at least you have a hard lead. It's not a cold lead. And, and then you're nurturing your client, your client base. Very good. You know, they are the real heroes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, it's rare. I don't see people doing like I leaned in so hard to customer service that I find it, it shocks me when I go into a store and people don't say, 
hi right away or try to crack up a conversation because that's they're they're there they're right there in your store and they came they walked in for a reason a really great book um to read is uh hug your customer mm -hmm. do you know that book By... i've heard the name of it that book was my bible for customer service mm -hmm. um the guy who wrote that book is from mitchell's which is a men's clothing store or men maybe men's and ladies clothing store in um on the east coast somewhere mm -hmm. connecticut or i don't know some a wealthy enclave of uh, somewhere and right. his customer service was really top notch and i thought let me try it let me see what it's like to you know quote unquote hug your customer to make them feel like they like you have a relationship and yeah i think that people respond to that and they they come back because they feel seen that's mm -hmm. what they say nowadays <laughs> instead of you know hug your customer it's like see your customer see make your customer. customers feel seen <laughs> awesome that was really really fun what's on your what's on your christmas list on my christmas list someone asked me this a while ago and i was thinking about I want one of those pizza ovens or oh, yeah. a pizza stone. Um, I like making pizza, but I don't yeah. have any any of the specialty stuff. So hopefully I'll get something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah, we used a pizza stone on the barbecue. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, those are fun to do. Yeah. Love pizza. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. This was really, really informative. Yeah, it was fun. Have a great day. Alrighty. Thanks again, Miranda, for coming on. Check out the show notes for a link to Miranda's podcast and her Instagram. And there's lots more to come, so go to heroesofecommerce.substack.com and subscribe. See you next time.